Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. The roundtable reconvenes on this Thursday night, so you're probably listening to this on a Friday morning with Mr. Jason Caldwell and Mr. Mark Murphy to talk about Auburn basketball and Auburn football. Um, A lot of stuff going on, obviously, for the basketball team as we head down the stretch. Only a few games left in SEC play as the Tigers continue to chase an SEC championship for football. There's not a lot of news after me and Jason were on here a week from a week ago today and you know speculating about when the Brian Harson thing was going to end. Obviously, it has and things have calmed down there a little bit and you know you can actually pivot to spring practice and talk about football a little bit. Still got two assistant coach holes to fill though. So we'll talk a little bit um, about that, but first Auburn basketball on Wednesday. Um, first time they played on Wednesday, I think in a, in a good while. It always been the Tuesday games. Um, struggled a little bit in the first few minutes against Texas A&M, but then really came up strong down the, or excuse me, not Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. Um, was down 11 nothing after a couple minutes. Um, Scotty Pippen Jr. played great for Vanderbilt, but Mark, really, it was the Twin Towers for Auburn, that front court. Um, most combined points in the season for them, Jabari Smith goes for a career high. 31, obviously just his one season, so season high, 31 and then Walker Kessler adds 22 on top of that. They kind of you know brushed off some of their three-point shooting woes, although Jabari Smith going 7 of 10 obviously helps you out there a lot. But really just an offensive masterpiece. I mean, their most efficient offensive game of the season, they shoot 58.5%, um, I think 71% from the field in the second half, something like that. Um, just a really, really good offensive game for them to get back on track at home um, and continue to win at home before they have a big game at Florida on Saturday. So Mark, I mean, it really just seemed like Jabari Smith was what was keeping Auburn going in this game. And once he started heating up, there really wasn't much Vanderbilt could do to stop him or Walker Kessler. Yeah. He got a lot of good looks at the basket with his feet set and nobody really trying to block his shot. And, you know, he stepped out and shot a little bit at longer distance, but that was no problem for him. But uh, he missed a couple shots early and then he got in the zone and, uh, you know, that was a lot of fun to watch him do that. And, you know, I'm going to give credit to the first rotation of subs coming in. You know, Auburn was down um, 11 to nothing. Then uh, then they hit a three. Jabari hit a three. And then Vanderbilt answered with a, another three. And it was 14 to four. And that's when the subgroup came in. And they got the thing tied to back up at 14-14. 
And uh, then Vanderbilt, with the starters back in there, uh, built an eight-point lead. And Auburn had a strong finish to the half. Um, Kessler scored the, the last four points or so, and Auburn went up by four at halftime and uh, never trailed. The second half, Nathan, that was as well as Auburn's played this season, I think, offensively. Not as far except for the turnovers. That was kind of ugly in the second half. But too many unforced turnovers. A couple good turnovers. You know, Scotty Pippen Jr.'s got quick hands, forced some things. But uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good game. And Vanderbilt's team has been playing well, too, Nathan. Yeah, they had won three of their last five in the SEC. Um, heading into this one, and you're exactly right, Mark. I mean, it was a it was a game where you're focusing on these two starters for Auburn and, and Kessler and Smith, um, but then casual 32 points for the bench. Um, and in the second half, I believe they were plus 12, Auburn was, when Jabari Smith went to the bench at one point. So he was incredibly productive. Um, it was season-high 31 points, really was unstoppable um, when he got his shot going. But even still, they were able to get good production from the bench, Wendell Green Jr. had a good game, uh, 12 points, nine assists, and only two turnovers um, for him. Zepp Jasper had a rough game, um, didn't log any statistic other than one steal, um, and he had four fouls. Bruce Pearl said that, um, you know, got to make sure that he's playing aggressive on defense, but also in a way um, where he's not fouling. So he had a little bit of a struggle last night, but um, it seems like really, you know, this team is is – back in a groove after the Arkansas game, although they didn't necessarily play badly in that game. It's just a situation where they missed a lot of free throws, but able to get back in a groove at home in these past couple games and get back to their winning ways. And Jason, now you know we're down the stretch, only five games left in the regular season. Um, they are coming very close to clinching another SEC championship. It would be their second regular season title in the last four years. I feel like we kind of looked at this team all season long and thought, you know, They've got this lead right now, but we'll see what happens with the rest of the league. And they've successfully been able to just kind of shove everybody away and stay here at the top. And now all of a sudden we're in a position where they've only got to win a few more games and, and they're going to be able to hang a banner. Yeah, the, the thing that starts with it is is playing at home. Um, and and that's that's the key to winning any kind of championship is is you got you got to win the games you're supposed to win. And, and for this Auburn basketball team, they play at home. You're supposed to win those games because it's such a home court advantage right now. And, um, you know, when, when the crowd's into it, it's as, as good. I mean, you look at this year and it's funny to see people talking about the, the biggest home court advantages maybe now in college basketball right now. Auburn's one, Texas tech is one. Who I mean, who would have thought you know five ten years ago that either one of those teams would be involved in that? And Rutgers right now is another one. Um, those are three places that are hungry for basketball that are getting after it, and that's where it starts. And so you look right now, and you got a couple of home games left. You win those home games, you're you're able to drop a game on the road at some point and still win this thing. And so that's the thing you look at. It's a it's a difficult stretch. Um, when, you know, it starts at Florida, um, you know, we were kind of joking before this that, you know, Florida and the O-Dome for Auburn basketball is is basically the equivalent of going to Tiger Stadium for Auburn football. Uh, they just don't win games down there very often. Even some really good teams haven't won. And a lot of that's had to do with Florida, too. Same thing with LSU. They've been pretty good. And so they hadn't lost a whole lot of games there, period. Um, but you look at it, you know, this Florida team, they played Auburn really good the first time they played um, at Auburn Arena. Nick Castleton 
doesn't look like his old self. They're still kind of struggling a little bit here or there, but they have the ability to put it together, Mark. And, and when they do, they're a team that can create some issues because of the style of play they have, don't they? Yeah, the uh, floor team's really athletic, Jason. And I think what they're going to try to do is uh, I think they're going to try to full court press Auburn down there and take advantage of that athleticism, try to trap them in the backcourt and force turnovers. And, you know, Auburn's extremely difficult to score on in the half court, particularly when Walker Kessler's out there playing because there's not much getting scored in the paint unless, you know, it's like he comes up and helps out on defense and then there's a switch off and somebody gets a look that way. So uh, expect Auburn's guards to be pressured early and often. And, you know, I've been down there for some of those games at the O-Dome where Auburn had good enough teams to win. And a couple games, Auburn just played poorly. And a couple of those games, Florida had somebody step up and just play a, a fabulous game and, uh, and and beat a team that I thought Auburn, an Auburn team that had a real chance to win one of those games. And Bruce Pearl's 0-4 down there. But it's not just Bruce Pearl. Auburn's lost 13 consecutive trips down there. The last time they won was 73-70 with Cliff Ellis as head coach. That was a good team at one down there, NCAA tournament team. But it's crazy it's been that long since they've won in Gainesville, guys. Yeah, you look at all these streaks that uh, Bruce Pearl has sort of snapped in his time as Auburn's head coach. You know, you look at all the different stops in the SEC. I mean, he's the only Auburn coach ever with multiple wins at Arkansas. Obviously, they've got a big winning streak over Tennessee right now. They've had a resurgence winning in Tuscaloosa, which has been a difficult place for them but florida still is this house of horrors you go back just a couple years ago um and yeah mark was joking before the show you know 1996 was the last time so nobody on this team was even born the last time this team won in gainesville but bruce mentioned it today um i thought it was funny he was asked you know this has been a you've had good teams and they've gone down there and they've lost by 20 30 points and he said oh thanks for uh you know, thanks for reminding me about that but i think he was being genuine he was like i want to i want to show them the margins of victories here show his team because talk about a team with Isaac Okoro and all those seniors um, went down there and lost by, let's see, they lost by 22, 47 to 69. That was that game where they just absolutely could get nothing to go. I think they shot in the twenties um, in that game. And so, but you look at the sec standings right now, um, like we talked about five games to go Auburn at the top, still 12 and one, both Kentucky and Tennessee are right behind at 10 and three. So that's a two game lead. Um, if they like Jason said, the thing is, you got Ole Miss and you got South Carolina. Really, the, the way the schedule has worked out for most of the season has been nice for Auburn, um, just where they're playing games and the fact that you don't have to play certain teams like Kentucky and LSU. You don't have to play them on the road. Um, but South Carolina and Ole Miss, you've got at home. So really, when you look at this game against Florida, I mean, all Auburn has to do the magic number right now is three in order for them to get at least a share of the conference title. And then obviously if they win four, um, they're, they're probably looking at an outright championship, not having to share it with anybody. But I mean, you win this game on Saturday and you break this big streak. You're probably in a pretty good position to, to be hanging a banner again. Problem is though, Jason, Florida is a team right now that's on the bubble. You talked about how they've been playing recently. Um, and it's just been such a, it's been such a problem for Auburn to go down there. And so you've got a team like Auburn that's you know chasing a championship and you got a team like Florida that's, you know, fighting for its life. It's got some good non-conference wins. Um, and anytime we've learned, obviously this season, Auburn is going to get everybody's best shot. This is a Saturday afternoon game, um, Florida hosting the number two team in the country. They are absolutely going to attempt to play their best game of the season, this game, and they're going to have a great crowd to back them up to. 
Yeah, I think it's, you're right. And I, I think the schedule actually has, has flipped a little bit when you look at the road games for this team. Arkansas playing as, as good a basketball as just about anybody in the country. And then, then you, you know, you've had, you had Kentucky at home not too long ago, who was one of the hottest teams in the country. Auburn has been the most consistent team. Auburn and Gonzaga have been the two most consistent teams in the country all season long. Those two teams have been really hot. Now it's Tennessee, and now you get them, you know, here in a week or so, um, the, 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 the things they put together. Um, you know, so you, you start looking at this, and then, you know, even Mississippi State on the road, that's a team from an athleticism standpoint that creates a lot of issues. And, you know, Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, that wouldn't – you know, it's going to be tough for a bunch of Auburn fans to, to road trip over there, and they'll probably do it anyway because that's what they're doing right now. But, um, yeah, it's a – it's a challenging schedule. Uh, it's a test, and you're right. You know, as Bruce Pearl always likes, as every coach likes to say, it's only about the next one. And you're right, though. You you win at Florida, you got to feel like that. That's a huge, huge step in the right direction to to try to win another championship. Let me ask you guys a question. Uh, in preseason, what did you expect Auburn's record to be? I thought Auburn was really good. I thought they would probably end up going 14 and four in the SEC, and I thought that might win the league because there's a lot of good teams in the league this year and uh, uh, figured it might end up time for the league championship, but they've certainly exceeded my expectations as far as one loss record. How about you guys? What did you think? I think I was a little bit of a, not a pessimist, but I, I just, I looked at this team with so many new guys and, and needing to gel. And obviously Bruce Pearl is better than most anybody at doing that. Still, I mean, the SEC is just such a talented league. And Bruce Pearl, I think, maybe talked me out of it in the preseason. I think he was talking about the strength of the league one day, and he was saying, you know, Mississippi State, like like Jason just mentioned, Iverson Molinar was a preseason player of the year type candidate in the conference. Garrison Brooks, obviously, is one of the best big men in the conference. I think they were picked eighth in the league. And so Bruce Pearl's like, this is what we're dealing with right now. You know, you got a team like that that's going to be vying for a tournament spot, has a great roster. They are picked eighth. So I, I think maybe I thought Auburn would be – 12 and 6, 13 and 5, something like that. I really just, I, I don't think a lot of people, I, I don't, I, I wasn't as optimistic as you, Mark. I, I didn't necessarily think they would win the league. Um, I liked LSU a lot in the preseason. They've, they've been okay, but they've, they've disappointed just a little bit, Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, but Alabama, I mean, a lot of people thought Alabama, they were picked second in the league, I believe. So I just looked at the top, you know, how top heavy it is and how many teams they could get into the tournament. I just didn't, you know, Auburn might peak at the right time is kind of what my, my line of thinking get all these transfers and Jabari Smith working together at the right time. And maybe they'll peak in March. I did not expect them to put together that kind of winning streak and, and look like the kind of team that they did what a month into the season. Yeah. I was probably 13 and five. So we're at, the difference for me has been Walker Kessler. I, I, yeah. I knew Walker Kessler was talented. I knew he was a guy that could run the floor. I knew he was a guy that could, could do the things he does. I, I did not expect him to be the guy defensively at the rim that he's been. I mean, he's shown some of those signs, but we just, you just never sure until you see it. And he's been so much better than I ever expected him to be defensively. Um, he has changed hundreds of shots in addition to the one he's blocked. That's the thing. I mean, he's blocked a hundred and what, 123, whatever it is. Right. He's changed 323. I mean, that's just the way it's been. Um, and he's, He's changed the way teams approach Auburn. They know right now that if they don't make a bunch of threes, you're not going to beat Auburn unless you can make them. I mean, that's it. You're not going to win by by scoring points in the paint. It's just not going to happen. It's such a it's such a different 
mindset that has made everybody better. And um, the other thing is, is that I knew how good Jabari Smith was. Um, yeah, I knew how good some of these guys were. But, you know, you go, man, without a healthy Allen Flanagan and knowing that the rust is going to be there, you know, it's in Katie Johnson. But the, it's, it's been about the pieces. Um, that's how you win basketball. And now um, you win basketball with pieces. You don't win basketball with, with a bunch of – you know, superstars. You got to have you got to have those guys, but you got to have the pieces in place. And the biggest thing for me is, you never know how that superstar reacts. And Jabari Smith, I, I, I'll think about it for this team, for all, you know, forever. He had a terrible game against Texas A and M. You know, didn't shoot the ball extremely well at all. But watching him stand over there at the end of the game and cheering on his teammates, you would never know what his stat line was. That is massive. That's massive for a team. When your best player isn't worried about his stat line, now he's out there scope shooting and scoring. He wants to play well. But when it's when he's not down in the dumps because he played bad, everybody out there is going, man, if that guy can keep going and play hard and play defense and get after it when he's not shooting well, I gotta do the same thing. And that's been the that's been the ultimate thing for me. And it's it's the reason why they've been a better basketball team than I even imagined they would be. Yeah, Bruce Pearl said today, Thursday, look into Florida, um, talking about Jabari's game. He missed his first two shots. I believe he had a turnover on either his first or second possession. Um, and then his third shot, I believe he made it, but Bruce could see that he was sort of hesitating. He didn't step into it like Bruce talked about he did all night long. Um, and Bruce said he called him over and said, shoot it. Do not hesitate just because you've missed a couple. Step up there and shoot the ball. Um and so, you know, I think you're seeing a little bit of that uh, today. I think, you know, compared it a little bit to to the kind of maturation process that Chumo Kiki had his sophomore year where, and J- look, Jabari Smith has been a, you know, a cold-blooded shooter, you know, his, almost his entire life. This is not a situation where he's having to be taught how to do that. But at the same time, you still have those natural tendencies, even if you're a, a possible, you know, number one overall pick. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's huge, like Jason talked about. Um, you know, just the chemistry of this team took off I think in just the way that look, Bruce Pearl's teams have done it, that final four team in terms of on the court and off the court chemistry was obviously phenomenal. Uh, you know, I just didn't know with this many new guys talking about Kessler. Look, people have been talking about the past two months, just because of how productive he is as a defender and a rebounder that Oscar Shibway was probably, you know, talking about sec player of the year. It's probably the front runner. If Walker Kessler keeps doing what he's doing these last few games, it's going to be a serious conversation for him to possibly be the conference player of the year because nobody else is, I mean, you look at it and he's the only guy in college basketball that is anywhere near, I believe top five, two point field goal percentage. And obviously number one in blocks, nobody else is anywhere near that. Um, His block rate is the best we've seen in the sport in over a decade, better than Anthony Davis. Certainly the best he's going to shatter every single Auburn block record. Um, we might be looking at a situation where as we get close to the SEC tournament and and the end of the regular season, Mark, you could have an opportunity. I mean, National Defensive Player of the Year, I think most people probably consider him the front runner. He could also take home SEC Player of the Year, and I believe Chris Porter, I think, was the, the last one to do that for Auburn. If Kentucky loses a couple more games, which is certainly possible, and Kessler has a real strong finish, has a couple more of these monster games, he would certainly be deserving of SEC player of the year. But, you know, Jabari Smith's a candidate too. 
he's playing pretty doggone well. And, uh, you know, guy might be the first, second, or third pick in the NBA draft. Um, you know, it's very interesting. Auburn's got these guys on this team. And, you know, you were talking about the chemistry. A big part of this team's success are the three transfers at guard. Um, Katie Johnson, Sepp Jasper, and uh, Wendell Green. Uh, I mean, those guys are really playing some good basketball. They're all totally different basketball players. And uh, and there's you know, no telling which one's going to have a really good game, but when the two of them are playing well, the other team's got some problems. Yeah, and that's been the big thing recently, getting Zepp Jasper back. You want to have your entire rotation there, not just because of what he can produce, but also just having the numbers. Um, the Auburn's prided itself on its depth all season. Jason talked about the schedules a little bit. Um, you know, as much as it probably will pain Auburn fans to think this way at all, Tennessee and Kentucky both have to go to Arkansas here in these last few games. They both have to play at Bud Walton. Auburn saw what kind of an environment that is and how well Arkansas plays there. I think you know it's it's going to be sort of a long shot for a team like Arkansas um, that although they've beaten Auburn, you know, they're they're nine and four in the conference. That they they've got a long ways to go in order to catch up to that top spot. So, man, if they I mean if they beat Kentucky and Tennessee or yeah Kentucky and Tennessee at home, that'll be something that'll help out Auburn. So you know it, it it'll be interesting to see this race. It's always fun when a team like Auburn you know is in the is in the running for a conference title. It's fun to watch the games. It's fun to you know, has some skin in the game with other teams. And so Auburn fans, you know, be on the lookout for other teams as well. Other teams that could help out Auburn's uh, Auburn's case here for an SEC tournament or excuse me, an SEC regular season uh, championship. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. That was a lot of basketball. Um, we can pivot to football now if you guys want. Uh, like we talked about, so there's still two assistant coaching spots to be filled. Offensive coordinator Austin Davis, no longer with Auburn. That was before the Brian Harson stuff even started with the investigation. Um, and then on the other side, on Super Bowl Sunday, not something we've discussed on here yet, um, Burt Watts took a job with the Denver Broncos, became their outside linebackers coach. I believe it was made official the following day. Um, Burt Watts had a good season. I mean, at Auburn, the pass rushers were very good. Uh, TD Moultrie and Eculiota and Derek Hall all had their best college seasons. So objectively, he he was a good on-field coach for Auburn, was also the special teams coordinator where Auburn had some issues. But I mean, at the same time, you wonder how much of that really you know matters in terms of a of a special teams coach being able to affect certain things like that. Oscar Chapman was the best punter in the SEC. So um, pretty good season for him. But Jason, we were talking about a little bit before it started. Both of these spots, maybe a little bit more so offensive coordinator with a guy like Eric Keesaw, which we've talked about over and over again, seems like internal promotion might be kind of the favorite in terms of a move for both right now. But we'll have to see that the, the 
Burt Watts's position is definitely more of a wild card. It, it feels like than the Eric Keith than an offensive coordinator, which could be Eric Keesaw. Yeah, no, it's it's just really quiet. And normally, when it's quiet, um, it, it's something that's either already done or it's something that's it's that's kind of being handled internally. Because but we laugh all the time um, when it's coming from outside that. Um, I always laugh. So there's nobody that, that talks more than coaches. And that's the same is true of college coaches, high school coaches, whoever it is. Normally those guys are talking to their buddies and, and, and telling them or checking them out. And so, you normally get, you start to hear some things and this has been extremely quiet, which leads me to, you know, you know, I would say that it's leaning towards probably being internal. If that's the case, you would think that Eric Keesaw would be a heavy favorite. He's been a coordinator for, for Brian Harson before. And then, you know, if, if you did that, you got a guy like Mike Hartline, who has been an OC. He played quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, a guy that is on staff as an analyst that could slide in to be a quarterback coach. Keesaw could still coach wide receivers and be the OC. It wouldn't, it, he wouldn't have to necessarily coach quarterbacks. So, um, you know, that's, you know, what I feel like is going to happen. But hey, you could, it could be any, any number of things because it, you know, Mark has been as, <laughs> it's about as quiet as it gets, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, about the only thing I'm certain of is they're going to play the A-Day game on April 9th. And I'm not even sure who yeah. will be playing in the game. <laughs> Correct. Maybe a scrimmage. That's right. Yeah, I think you're looking – you're right. Uh, you got that. And then defensively, is it is a true wild card um, when you look at this um, because it's – it's later. You've got a lot of jobs that are already filled. Obviously, there's still some coaches out there that can move, and Auburn's going to be a spot that they're going to have some opportunities to grab guys. But um, you hear coaches talk to, all the time talk about fit. They talk about finding the right fit, the right guy. Um, you know, so that one could could be um, a true wild card. Uh, I do expect that. Um, you know, in the next few days, it could potentially happen. Not saying it will, but I wouldn't be surprised before Monday, if, if, you know, you have you know, guys named this, even though there's you know, no spring practice till the middle of March, um, this is an important time um, for new coaches. you got to get to know your guys before you get into spring practice because they're off on spring break the week before they do those things. So that means you got even less time to, hey, you got to sit down, know your room, uh, understand their role. You got to learn enough of your offense and defense to uh to get going that's why it feels like more internal because there is a such a short window to get guys prepared and get them ready to go for spring practice the other thing is is that you've got a, a massively important visit schedule coming up for march and april um this 2023 class is it's at every recruiting class is important i don't know that i can remember one mark maybe i'm wrong i don't remember one where there's as much need as it looks like now, is they're going to be for this 2023 class because of the, the the guys that either we know are going to be gone or we feel like will be gone after this season. There's going to be some big holes to fill and, and numbers to fill, on, especially on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, on the offensive side of the line of scrimmage in particular, Jason, because just about everybody who's likely to be starting this year for Auburn will be gone next season. So only got one signing in the 22 22- class um and uh, that was not nearly enough we thought they needed at least four if not more than that and that's sort of where they struck out big time on the recruiting and they could get somebody in you know in the transfer portal but think about this 
if you're a really good offensive lineman and you say you got a year of eligibility left, why in the world would you come to Auburn with all the starters coming back, competing against all those seniors? So that's something to think about. And also something to think about, too, is like, you know, they don't have an offensive coordinator and they got a quarterback battle coming up here. And it seems like you want to do it as quickly as possible so you can start getting a feel for uh, these guys you're going to be coaching in spring because, I mean, Without Bo Nix, um, it's wide open, it looks like to me, on who's going to be the starting quarterback in 2022. Yeah, Mark, I think you're right about the the grad transfer, especially on the offensive line. That's what they ran into in, in December. Um, they ran into that situation with guys going, look, you got eight guys back with starting experience. Um, a lot of them have been starters, full-time starters. That's a tough sell for a guy that has one year left, and I think that's what they've run into. And what you – to me, ideally, in uh, several situations, it would be this this late spring run um, between now and May the first. Auburn's got some spots; they've got they've got spots they can fill. Ideally, for me, it would be talented players who maybe haven't gotten that opportunity yet that have two or three years left to potentially come in and play, get their feet wet this year, and then try to be ready to be a starter in 2023. Um, that would seem like the ideal spot, but you got to find those guys. And that's the tough thing right now is um, normally guys that are leaving after spring are reason for a reason is because they're, they haven't been, you know, those guys yet and you have to take some chances. And so, um, you know, that's where those prior relationships are, are important guys. They recruited before they've been around and they know um, potentially what kind of talent it is. So it's, a lot, a lot of work to be done um, in, in the next uh, month or so as they get ready for spring practice and then a big recruiting time. And Nathan and Jason, as you guys know, roster management in the SEC is a big deal. It certainly changed on, you know, how you do it uh, with, you know, freshmen playing right away in a lot of cases and the transfer portal. But you better be thinking – more than one month, two months, or three months down the road. You better be thinking a year or two down the road if you're going to be good enough to compete for an SEC championship. Yeah, and to your earlier point, uh, Jason, I mean, now we're looking at it right now. March 14th is the start date for spring practice. Um, and so as currently right now, that's less than four weeks away. You talk about that week off that they'd have. You're about two and a half, two and a half weeks if you are someone in that building currently <laughs> that you have to attempt to develop relationships. So logically, as, as you're probably listening to this on Friday morning, it would seem that those hires are going to come soon, considering if you don't, you know, you're really kind of pushing your back up against the wall um, in terms of spring practice, getting ready to get started, especially like Mark talked about, um, you know, the coordinator is a big deal for this quarterback battle. I mean, I, and we, and we can kind of use this as a bit of a segue to just, lightly touch on here we're gonna have lots of spring practice preview stuff but there'll also be a lot of basketball so i don't, I don't know how much you know we're gonna deep dive yeah. spring practice depending on you know what the basketball team is doing um but you know the, the, just to kind of touch on some of the stuff we're, we're looking forward to for spring ball quarterback is one of if not the it's, most important position battle for auburn right now and it seems like it might be a wide open race maybe zach calzada is your guy if you're a betting man and, and wanted to kind of look at Last season's body of work, I, I might lean that way. At the same time, you never know. TJ Finley's got the experience. Um, I think Robbie Ashford 
is really interesting. A really talented guy at a high school who can maybe come in and uh, does D Davis get a shot? I don't know y'all's y'all's thoughts on that position group. Um, because certainly now the coordinator position is really important to bring in a guy like that. You know, they got to know who they're, they're, they're without a room right now. You know, they're getting ready for a five man battle and they don't have a position coach. Yeah. I think, I think it's more position coach than, than OC right now. Cause I think we know what the offense is going to look like. Um, I mean, PJ Finley basically told us before the bowl game last year, they were been running. Basically this has been a Brian Harson offense. We've been running this year. We know what it's going to look like. But I think having that position coach for a quarterback is really important because every every guy has a little different things they want to see out of a quarterback. It's learning, it's teaching, uh, fundamentals, all those things, and that's that's a big deal for the quarterback room, especially when you got five guys. It'd be different if this was a three man battle. You had three guys, and that was it. You got five guys to battle for a position, and that's why I think it's. Here, I'll say this. If if Auburn comes out of the spring with a starter, then it is the best possible news for Auburn because that means somebody has stepped up and taken control of things in a hurry. It's gonna be hard to do with five guys. I, I would guess that you got to try to narrow it down to two or three if you're if you're lucky. I mean, 15 days that includes a a scrimmage type situation on a day. Basically, 14 days of practice is not a ton of time to break down a five man quarterback battle. Yeah, you could do five guys in a quarterback battle in 1960 when you started spring practice in late February and ended it in May, and there was unlimited amount of practice time. You could practice seven days a week if you want to, but not with the current rules. Five's way too many. Yeah, I haven't even thought about that in terms of – I had just been kind of thinking in this mindset of like we saw the last time they had a big one, which was – you know, you cut down a couple guys in spring ball and then you focus on two or three. If a guy like a Calzada or a Finley emerges from spring and Brian Harson and the offensive sure. staff are adamant about that. Yeah, I, I agree it, with you, Jason. That's probably great. a really big deal. That'd be the best news possible if some, something like that happened. I don't expect it to because it's just yeah. there's so it's going to be hard for somebody to get enough reps to do that. But no, it's 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 absolutely the the most important position uh, for this team right now. Offensive line, you got so many veterans coming back. Maybe you get a chance in the spring to look at some of those young guys a little bit, but I think you look at it, to me, it's that position, and then it goes hand-in-hand, quarterback, wide receivers, and there's just so few of the scholarship guys that, I mean, they may each have their own guy to throw to in the spring uh, just to build a lot of chemistry one-on-one almost, but can they find somebody to step up and be um, a playmaker. I mean, Shedrick Jackson coming off a really good year. There's not a whole lot of guys back. Uh, Javarius Johnson still hasn't made a decision yet. Um, planning on taking some visits. Potentially he could come back, but um, if, you're, if you're planning on taking visits, that's not a as far from a certainty at this point. Hey, speaking of transfer portal, um, I feel comfortable. And, and also, uh, you know, like we talked about, probably if they cut that down, just in the way that things are right now across the sport, you would you would not expect all five members of these of this room, maybe to be around for the fall, maybe, but at the same time, uh, it it doesn't just based on the way you see quarterback battles unfold everywhere. I mean, T.J. Finley, like last year, right? He exits LSU as the as the number three quarterback and says, "Nope, I'll look for a better opportunity elsewhere." So that'll be interesting to track as well. But um, you know, Philip Dukes, who's now on our site, by the way, doing a great job. Um, I feel comfortable saying this because he put it out on Twitter, but you know, that Colby Wooden, Auburn's best defensive lineman, had considered entering the transfer portal, but is not. 
um, is deciding to come back to the team is it's not gonna not gonna mess with any of that. Um, that is a huge bullet dodged because that might be your best defensive player for next season. Um, and with the way the defensive line had you know not not at the top, but the depth had been dwindling down. Um, that's a pretty big. That's pretty good news. News slash non news because nothing obviously ever actually came of it, but. That's a pretty big deal to make sure that he's on board for next year. You know, it was a must when you when you consider all the just the depth pieces that you lost in addition to a guy like JJ Pagis. It, it was a must that that for this team that Kobe wouldn't return. Uh, you're still limited in terms of numbers, and it, it's because of the maybe how you have to play a little bit with this team. We'll go and obviously we can go into to, to more depth about that, but because of the limited numbers at the edge position, you have to play three bigger guys together instead of playing those two edge guys at the same time. And so it limits your depth in that regard if you do it already. So um, that's something we can touch on more as we get, you know, maybe a little bit closer once we figure out, uh, maybe get a chance to hopefully talk to Jeff Schmetting and kind of get his thoughts on what it, what his defense might look like. Then we can have a, a better feel for it. But the depth issues are going to be there. But Kobe wouldn't coming back. Uh, yeah, that's big news. I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, it, it, I'd – would probably rather, you know, if, if I'm not here for the majority of spring practice, that's probably a good thing. I know, Mark, you probably agree, because that probably means that the basketball team's making a pretty deep run, because a couple years ago, that was a really good time. Um, Tampa, and this year, probably opening up in Greenville. As that starts to get closer, that'll be, uh, that'll be pretty exciting. But I don't know about you, Mark. I mean, I've been just sort of, it's interesting now that we're getting closer to that time, and we still have the SEC tournament not as big of a deal for Auburn as it would have, as it was a couple years ago. If they're the one seed, you know, if they win a title already, you know, teams like a, like a Mississippi state or an Arkansas or somebody like that is going to go into that with a lot more fire, trying to, trying to get into the NCAA tournament or, or win a championship there. Um, But I mean, you know, for as long as Auburn's been a one seed in all these bracketologies, I haven't really thought about the NCAA tournament very much because we've been focusing so much on the sec and now it's, getting down to time and it really seems like unless Auburn completely implodes here at the end of the year, they're, they're probably going to be a one seed and they'll probably start out in Greenville. Yeah. I've talked to a bunch of Auburn fans that were already got reservations at hotels and possible sites for Auburn going to be playing around the country. And a bunch of them have booked new Orleans, which is, I mean, that's really optimistic, you know, NCAA basketball tournament, even if you're a great team, a lot of things have got to go right to get to the final four. But this team certainly has got a chance to do that because of its depth and its talent, its power around the basket. Um, and like we talked about earlier in the show, it's going to be a big deal to shoot well, hit those three-point shots. If they do that, they're going to have a chance to make a real run. And they're a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to cover. And uh, this has a chance to be the best team in Auburn history. And uh, um, that, that team in 2018-19 was, wasn't too shabby at a real shot to win the national championship. Yeah. And I think, I think that's good that we haven't talked a lot about the final four and the NCAA tournament. And I just Auburn fans haven't necessarily put a lot of attention on it because I think I noticed in the season immediately following that when Auburn had a great team, they start, you know, they won started the season like 17 and one or something like that. I think, you know, all of a sudden you go to the final four and your team goes to the final four and, the next season starts and you're thinking, oh, you know, can they make it back to the final four? And that's, that was kind of like the mindset. It's like, that's maybe that's not, that is, that's just not how you should measure success. And you shouldn't necessarily be putting yourself in that box every single season, because like you talked about 
Mark, you know, this, this could be the best team Auburn has had ever. There's probably a really good chance that it is. And they could get bounced in the second round. Like that's just, that's just how it works. I, I think, you know, because of the depth and, you know, because of where they're going to be seated, they've got a pretty good opportunity, I think, to be at least a sweet. I'd, I'd be shocked if this team didn't make it to the second weekend. Um, and we'll talk about that a lot more later once we get to actually. But one thing I did think think fans are doing a good job of enjoying the ride. Yes. And I think the players are definitely doing a wonderful job of it because they're having fun out there playing basketball and they're getting after their practice. And uh, I mean, the season's almost over. I know a lot of people don't want it to be the regular season. They're having so much fun. And, uh, and, you know, it's hard to get a ticket to Auburn Arena. That's why there's going to be a lot of Auburn fans there in Gainesville at the O-Dome watching that game Saturday. It was sold out a long time ago, and I guarantee you the reason it was sold out a long time ago was Auburn fans buying up tickets in advance. Well, and it's something to think about, too, because we just finished up the Super Bowl and saw lots of folks assuming that it's the first of many for Joe Burrow. Um, there's no way to know that. Um it was it was funny that Dan Marino tweeted at him and said, "Oh, you'll have plenty more." Just like I, oh, no, I didn't have. He had one shot. Dan Marino had one Super Bowl in year number two, never made it back again. Um, and then Jim Kelly said, "Yeah, you know, I made it back four times, never won one." Um, it, it's not assumed. Um, there's nothing assumed, and you're right. The best thing right now, enjoy it, and if it happens, it happens. What here's the thing that people people just forget. That Final Four team a few years ago should could have and maybe should have lost in the first round. Um, and this time in the season, they were not looking great. Like beginning no, of February, no, they got they hot. Not good. You never know. Um, you know, I always, always say the best basketball team I've seen in my lifetime was uh, UNLV team in 1990. Um, Larry Johnson, Stacy Augman, Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt, all those guys. They ran over everybody all season long and lost to Duke in the semifinals. Um, there's nothing guaranteed, but you know, just go give yourself a shot. This team is doing that night in and night out. It's like that Georgetown team that was unbelievably good, lost inexplicably to Villanova in the championship game, but they couldn't shoot the ball at all. Yeah, Villanova made Villanova had the greatest shooting night of all time. Of course, they held it and only shot the ball about 25 times for the whole game, but um, man, they they you could run into a team like that that executes perfect. And uh, and that, those are things that you have to deal with. But And that's like why said, the NCAA tournament is so loved by fans. Because you never know. that's happened with regularity. Yeah. And just, and people have been talking about it all season. This field is awesome. And this field's going to be, and there's so many good mid majors. Um, you know, there's a couple week conferences here and there, but you know, there's a lot of elite teams. I mean, there's probably 10, 15 teams that you could look at and say they could win. The national championship and so um that'll be really exciting be about a month from now we'll be right in the thick of that hopefully hopefully you know auburn makes a deep run um because everybody would enjoy that and we'd have a good time with that uh, we'll see we'll see what happens you know they were a an airballed corner triple away from being bounced in the i'd never seen an airball happen from the corner um but right in front of anthony macklemore's eyes it, it it was way off and they they got to move on in that game and so you never know what'll happen but uh i think that'll i think we'll wrap it up there that was a really fun show i really appreciate you guys um hopping on i think we covered a lot of good stuff there appreciate everybody listening to this edition of the auburn undercover podcast if you guys enjoyed it um go leave us a five-star review that's the number one thing that helps us out 
It does great stuff for the show. So if you have some time to do that, that would be excellent on Apple and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts, I believe you can leave reviews these days. Um, the intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. If you guys like that, you can go follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next time, everybody enjoy the game on Saturday, and we will talk to you guys later. Thank you.